This is Top Floor, episode 56. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 56. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. Stephanie Caradden got her hospitality start in a North Georgia sports bar where she waited tables and bartended until the general manager of a local hotel poached her to work at his property. She has spent time in almost every department, but found her true love as a trainer and coach. Stephanie brings her master's degree in counseling to bear as she works with hospitality leaders and associates to develop self-awareness and empowerment. Today, Stephanie and I are going to talk about guitars, entrepreneurship, and mental health self-care. But before we jump in, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals with burning questions. If you would like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Karina. And Karina, she gives a lot of background, which I think may give away where she works. So I'm going to try to uh, paraphrase it if I can. Basically, Karina is saying that as she was entering the hospitality industry, talking about things like depression or anxiety at work were considered very taboo. And she would never, ever, ever have considered bringing that up. She has a sense that this has changed and that people are more comfortable, but she's still a little nervous that if she asks for some kind of accommodation from her boss, that it will be held against her or she'll be retaliated against. So do you have any advice for Karina in terms of talking about mental health at work? Karina, that's a very good question. First, let me tell you, you are not alone. Many people go through this. Many people have the same impression and perspective as you because it is true. Many companies, and for a long time, speaking about anything personal, whether it's mental health or you know sickness, anything was very taboo at work. Um, we had the thing where you leave um, your problems at the door before you come into work and um, you know smile, pretending like nothing is happening. But my advice for you, Karina, in this case, if you do not feel comfortable going to your boss, asking them for a one-on-one just to speak about what's going on, you can go to um, someone in human resource. I don't know how big or small your property is, but maybe an employee relations manager Or if you don't have an employee relations manager, anybody in HR really can help you navigate how you can address your supervisor about this. Because ultimately, you do want to talk to your supervisor about anything that's going on. But if you're not feeling safe enough to go directly to that person, you should bring it to HR and they can maybe sit with you and that person and have that conversation. I hope that helps. 
That's good advice. What do you think about the employee hotlines that almost like a lot of companies have? Do you think that's a good solution or would that be a last resort? So I think it can be a good solution, but when it's something very specific um, to the person, I like to go straight face to face just because a lot of times they'll bring the thing up to the manager or to even HR and it'll be anonymous. So the person doesn't even know who they should make the accommodation for. And now they feel stuck because they're like, well, I can't make this accommodation for everybody because not everybody needs it. So what do I do there? So um, unless the employee hotline is allowing you to tell your name and asking you if it's okay for them to bring your name up, I would say go directly to the source. Got it. Your first job was as a server and bartender in a sports bar. Yep. What did you like about that job? So first, I have to say it was a very busy sports bar because I lived in a very tiny town and that was one of the only hangouts. So it was really busy. So time went by fast. I got to talk to a lot of people. And you see how in the movies, the bartender gets loaded out um, down with all people's problems. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> People sit at the bar either by themselves or with a friend and they just start chatting up the bartender, telling them their deepest, darkest secrets. <laughs> I think it's because they probably sometimes think they're never going to see this person again, or it's just, you know, somebody that they don't care if they judge them. Right. Or their beers are loosening their lips and they're yes, just like, <laughs> yes, yes. As they, as they go by, you know, the, the beer starts loosening up. And, <laughs> but I really loved the idea of being able to speak to people where the bar was located. It was a pass through. So there was a lot of people from other states come through and stop by. So I got to um, learn a lot about different cultures right here in the United States and just basically speaking to different people and, you know, just listening and, and learning. So I love that. When you were doing that job, did you think about it as a career or did you think this is a great way to make some money right now? I thought it was a great way to make some money right now. I did not think I was going to end up in anything hospitality, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so meanwhile, so. you got recruited by the general manager of a hotel nearby, mm -hmm. as we mentioned in the introduction. I'm interested in what you think about this with some perspective of years behind you. Mm -hmm. That idea sort of cycles in and out of favor pretty often that you know, they'll say like, keep your business cards with you. And if you're out and you see somebody with a great attitude and a big smile, invite them to apply for an open position at the hotel or keep in touch with them or whatever. I'm torn on my opinion about that. Part of me thinks like, of course, that sounds like a great recruiting idea. And part of me feels like when you recruit someone, it establishes uh, some a level of expectation that you maybe are going to treat them better or you know what I mean? Like that they yeah. have a, they are more important. I don't mm -hmm. know. What do you think about that strategy now? So two things, I will answer what you said on the, um, when you recruit somebody, they may think they're going to get some special treatment. And I strongly believe in that as well. And the way that I always teach people to prevent that is to set clear expectations from the get-go and tell them why you're recruiting them. Hey, I really like the way you did this service. I really like the way you, you know, provided me with everything that I needed. 
I think you would be great for the hotel in this and that position. But mind you, this is purely professional. As soon as you go in and apply, I have nothing else to do with it. Gotcha. That's right? a good way to do it. Yeah. That really changes the perspective on people. And um, to answer your question about what I think about it, I think because these days, a lot of us focus so much on recruiting via the internet, like, you know, in the job post sites and stuff like that, we've kind of shrunk, shrunk, that's a word, right? (laughs) Shrunk the way that we bring people in. So I've been getting a lot of calls about, oh, you know, we're short staffed and we can't find employees. And when I ask, whether it's the hiring manager or HR, have you done this? Have you gone to colleges? Have you, you know, gone to restaurants and tried to recruit there and stuff like that? They're like, no, no, no. They just post a job online. Everybody's on on the internet and I'm posting jobs. And I'm like, well, at this point, post COVID, we have to be innovative in our hiring. We have to be able to go out there and show people that we're really interested in them coming to work for us. That's where we are in hospitality right now. So it's important that we do it. Excellent. The Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida, so like in South Florida, uh-huh. was your work home for 10 years. Yes. And I just have to talk about this because it's so cool. The building is shaped like an actual guitar. Yes. It's like it takes your breath away when you see it, if, especially if you're not expecting it. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> How? What? Who? Where? Um, <laughs> can you talk about your experience at that property and all the different things that you did? Sure, sure. So I, first of all, have to say when I worked there, the guitar was still in construction. So I didn't get to work inside the guitar. Gotcha. But I've been, you know, working as a contractor there on and off after the guitar has done. But I can tell you my experience there was awesome. It's a hotel casino. So we have like all the bells and whistles, right? So we have everything from, you know, the small housekeeping for the public areas to everything from the table games and you name it, we got it there. So it was really a place where I got to experience everything in the hospitality, like everything that has to do with travel, tourism, you know, hotels, restaurants, I can say that I got to experience. And I was lucky enough to work with some awesome executives who were willing to allow us to cross-train and work in different departments as we saw fit to learn more about the hotel and you know climb that ladder a little bit faster than we would be able to had we had to you know go the regular route i guess i should call it gotcha so i worked in front desk and players club i worked um housekeeping i did public space i made beds i worked in the kitchen for a little while and these were just rotations so i would stay in these um positions for like three months and just learn what everybody's doing in my home there was in operations. That's where I worked for the longest. And all of these positions that I was working through, I was still considered the project manager in operations. So it was a good position as well for me to have to know everywhere. So it made sense for for me to be able to um, cross train and learn a bunch. But I did start at front desk. That was my full-time position when I first started there. And I ended up in learning and development. So I literally did everything. 
That's really cool. Mm -hmm. After you got your master's degree in mental health counseling, I know in addition to learning and development at the Seminole Hard Rock, Mm -hmm. you started working with other hotels to create training and provide leadership coaching. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, this resulted in you starting your consulting business, Dembo Incorporated. And so I'm interested in what drove you to start your own company versus continuing to work for these hotels. So when at first I thought it was going to be something I can do in one hotel, but as I started and realized the growth that I was able to provide to the hotels that I was working in full time, um, whether it be with the leaders, with the team members, and frankly, with the bottom line of the hotel because of everything that would shift when I would do these trainings, I thought, hmm, maybe I can do this with more people. (laughs) And again, I was fortunate enough to have a vice president of operations who was like, Stephanie, you can do more let's send you to Vegas and get your consulting on. So he had been called for an open position in Vegas, which was a contract position. And he told them that he had a great person that can fill up the spot. And that's how I started on my venture. But more than that, I felt like I can help way, way more people if I was out on my own doing work as a freelancer. So what are some of the areas that you focus on in both training and in coaching consulting? Sure. So my sweet spot is in leadership, but mostly I do employee relations trainings and um, coaching. I help with retention, employee retention. I start from the hiring all the way up to um, onboarding and training. I also focus on offboarding. So everything that has to do with employee relations, I live there. I also create lots of standard operating procedures for properties. And in leadership, it's a lot of emotional leadership. So I teach leaders how to lead themselves first before they go out and lead other people. Oh, I like the way that you put that. Mm-hmm. October 10th is World Mental Health Day. Mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of what you do is strongly influenced by your education in mental health counseling. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how does a mental health perspective change what you train and how you train hotel teams and hotel leaders? Sure. Yes. So like I was just saying about the emotional leadership, I strongly believe that when somebody is strong within themselves, mentally and physically, they are able to perform better, you know, help their team better. And also the team members are better equipped to work. So with my trainings, I focus a lot on mindset, on self-awareness, and how to manage your emotions, right? And so that alone helps the team members with the guests. I mean, we all know in hospitality, we get the best guests and the funniest guests. (laughs) (laughs) And so (laughs) when we have those, we have to be able to manage our emotions. We have to be able to 
set certain expectations for our team members. So I think with the way that I train people to manage their mindsets and to manage their emotions, they're better equipped and able to help their employees and their guests. I know team empowerment is a big focus for you. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about what you mean by that? What do you mean by team empowerment and how can a leader best facilitate that? Sure. So team empowerment for me is to first give the person the proper training, the proper tools to do their job. But even further, it's being able to make decisions, right? For example, if I go to a hotel and there's an issue where I need a $25 credit, I don't expect the front desk agent to have to go call a manager for a $25 credit, right? I expect that the front desk agent can take ownership of that and make a proper decision. And that's where I go with the um, team empowerment. Because once you give your agents, your employees ownership of their job, they run with it and they will go above and beyond for you. We like to make sure that our listeners come away from every single episode of Top Floor with some specific, very practical tips for things to try in their businesses or in their personal lives. And I have questions for you, but you mentioned something earlier that I want to see if you can give me a tip about, mm-hmm. which is you said you teach people how to manage their emotions when they're working. Uh, as you can probably tell by my very expressive face, that is not my spiritual gifting. So I'm wondering if you have a quick tip or two for those of us who are dramatic and very emotional and could probably stand to use how to get that under control. Of course. So one of the tips that I always give, and it's quick, it's easy, and it sounds simple, but it really works, is a breathing and counting tip, right? So one thing that you can do if you are in a position where you feel like you're getting overwhelmed or getting angry or upset, whatever the case may be, you take some deep breaths, and you count from 10 backwards. Just as easy as that. Just take some deep breaths and count. I'm trying to do it right now, but I'm still excited to be talking to you. (laughs) Uh, in, In honor of World Mental Health Day that we mentioned earlier, what are a couple of tips that you would share with hospitality operations teams for managing stress? Yes. So one of the tips that I always have as well is talk to your team members, right? We have these huddles, lineups, different properties, call them differently. Be clear with them, tell them, communicate. It is amazing what a little bit of communication can do for teams, especially nowadays where you know people are very stressed about maybe getting um, laid off, even though the hospitality industry is picking back up, but there's still a lot of talk about retention and stuff like that. Give them just a quick two-minute update on what's going on with the company, just to put them at ease. And even if there might be layoffs coming, you don't have to tell them that, but tell them something. Don't just leave them in the dark. That is one of the um, ways that I always say that to manage um, your team stress. Also, another thing that you can do to manage your team's stress is to always, always give them what you want them to do. So make sure that they understand the vision, the mission, and the goal. If they understand the goal, if they're on the same page as you are with the goal, then it's fair game. 
everybody's running in the same car, right? But when you have a goal and you're just giving them bits and pieces, like tasks to do, then they don't know what they're doing. And they're just like, oh, okay, I'll, you know, I'll get to that. Or it's not that important because they just see just a task. But if you share the vision, then that makes a big difference. Oh, I completely agree with you. That makes so much sense to me. And that's one of the great frustrations is not having a clue what the big picture is. I mean, everyone's big picture is different. Yeah. One thing that I have personally observed over my career Mm -hmm. is that classroom training is very inspiring in the moment but sometimes very easy to forget particularly in a you know busy hotel where you leave the classroom and then have to check in 250 people and you know all that mm-hmm. stuff do you have any suggestions for how leaders can keep that training alive and keep sort of the inspiration flowing yes so one of my favorite things to do are action plans So I get before I even start the classroom training, I get with the group that I am going to or the manager of the group that I'm going to train and ask them what is one thing that we can do like during the busy time. So if it's something that I'm going, let's say I'm going to be training on emotional leadership, right? What is something that they can leave the classroom and then go practice right away while they're busy. Not something that's going to take away from their time or anything like that. So just something that they can add into their busyness, right? And I do an action plan. So as soon as we're done with training, we're going to do XYZ while we work or when you get home, depending on what it is. And I find that if the person goes and does the action right away and sees the difference, then they are more prone to continuing with that action as opposed to they just hear it and it's like theory, it's whatever, mm-hmm. you know? But if they just go and actually do it, then it makes a huge difference. What do you think about web-based training versus in-person? What are Do you have any preference on those or are there pros and cons to both? Well, I prefer face-to-face just because that's how I started with my training. That's how I think I feel the energy of the classroom and you know I can get everybody going but also web based can be you know great it can work it does work i've done several virtual trainings in my time the key there especially for web based is to even double down on taking action as soon as you're done i think it's even more important to double down on taking action hmm What do you think about... This is a topic that I've discussed with so many people both on and off the show. Mm -hmm. And it's the idea that somehow along the way, the hospitality industry and hotels in particular have lost some of their sparkle as a career path. I'm wondering if you've got any ideas for how the hospitality industry as a whole can do a better job of recruiting people, not just as sort of, you know, a peg and a hole, not just to fill a job, but to embark on a career in our industry. Like you, I've had this conversation so many times on and off air as well. And I think one of the ways that we can do that is to innovate. We need to 
listen to the younger people (laughs) that would be coming into the industry as a career and see where we can meet them halfway, right? I think a lot of the reason we're losing our sparkle is because we're doing things the way we've done them and it's not attractive enough, I guess I I should say, to the ones that are coming after us, right? So meeting halfway, getting with the Gen Zs and getting with, you know, the older generations and meeting somewhere halfway is where we need to be. It's a long way. It's It's hard work, but I think we can do it and I think we'll get there. Okay, so we have reached the fortune-telling portion of our show. (laughs) We're going to predict the future, cast a spell or two. What is a prediction that you have for the future of workforce training? I believe, as we were talking before, that a lot of workforce training is going to be (laughs) web-based. And your silence tells me that you're not necessarily in love with that. I'm not, but I can see the the need and the necessity of it. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) what do you think about sort of hybrid where it's maybe web-based, maybe over Zoom, like our conversations taking place now, but it's actually real people interacting versus clicking through screens of text to read and then choose a multiple choice question and answer? Oh, yes, definitely. It must be that. Because if it's not, then we're going to lose them. We're going to lose them quicker. I agree. If you could wave your magic wand and change one thing about the mindset of leaders and hospitality, what would it be? It would be that we've always done it that way and we'll keep doing it that way. (laughs) 100% accurate. If I had a dollar for every time I heard that. What's next for you and what's next for your company? Um, What's next for me and my company, I guess I should say. Next year, I am going to be rolling out some retreats, mindset, emotional leadership retreats, where I take people around the world and on adventure while we do some coaching. So I'm excited about that. Oh, that sounds cool. What kind of destinations do you have in mind for that? Um, Right now, I've been doing some island destinations. So I think I'm going to stick to that. I'm an island girl through and through. Love the islands, but I do want to cross over into the Pacific Ocean now. Um, I've done lots of Caribbean island retreats, so I want to cross over. Very cool. Okay, folks, before we tell Stephanie goodbye, we are going to head down to the loading dock where all of the best stories get told. Going down. Stephanie, what is a story you would only tell me on the loading dock? Oh my goodness. I have so many crazy stories, but one of them is in Vegas at a casino. Of course it is. (laughs) I walked in at 7 a.m. and found um, a group of my porters angrily discussing about one person that was sitting at a machine and refused to move for them to um, shampoo the carpets. And now it's 7 a.m. and they they didn't have time to shampoo the carpet. It's too late. People are starting to trickle in. And so I went to her and asked her, I'm like, ma'am, you know, is there a problem? Why wouldn't you move? And, and so on and so forth. And she goes, 
I've been sitting at this machine for eight hours. I am not going anywhere until it gives me back all my money, including to to go to the bathroom. I'm going to do it right here. Oh my God. No way. She did. No, indeed. (laughs) (gasps) I've heard about people maybe wearing like a little diaper or something. If they're really intense. Oh, that's not good. Not good at all. Especially when it was at time, like we we had to spot clean because it was too late to to pull out the you know big machines. Oh gracious, good Lord, (laughs) Stephanie Karadin, thank you so much for being here. I know that our listeners got some great tips, and I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor. Thank you so much, Susan, for having me. Thank you for listening. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 56. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 